Well, hey, good morning, Brookside. It's great to see you this morning. I hope you're having a, a good, good weekend and hope you're staying warm and keeping the flu away from yourself and all those good things. So if you're a guest here with us this morning, we just want to welcome you. My name is Jeff, and uh, yeah, really just a privilege uh, for us to be able to, to gather uh, here this morning. Well, today we're going to be uh, finishing up a series called Generous, and um, I just want to say thank you on the front end of this series. Um, thank you for your responses to the first two messages in this series. It is, I'll just be honest, it is a very um, fun thing and just a, a real privilege uh, to be a part of a church where you not only hear God's word, but you're the kind of people, and I just see this by your responses, that you take it to heart and, uh, and you really seek to, to apply the things that God's word says to us. I was reading in, in Psalm 1 this, this week, and it paints this picture of these people that, that revere God and that honor his word as they're the kind of people that their roots go deep and that it's, they produce, it's kind of like a tree that produces a lot of fruit, and whatever it does, it says that they prosper in life. And, um, and, and I, thought of, I thought of all of you and your response to God's word. And so I just want to commend you on that and, uh, and just say thank you for being an eager people. Uh, today's text, uh, we're going to be in First Chronicles. If you want to flip there, chapter 29, you can click there as well. Um, but what I'd like to do before we dive in, before we read that, the text together, is just pray together and just say, Lord, we want to invite you again this morning. Uh, would you speak to us? So yeah, would you join me and, and let's pray and, and then we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Uh, Lord, we love you, and Lord, it's a privilege for us to be able to gather in this place, and Lord, we just want to say to you this morning, uh, would you speak to us, Lord? Um, would you do what only you can do in our midst? Um, Father, we thank you that we can worship you in this place, Lord. We thank you that you are the kind of God that we want to say, Lord, you are above all things, and so, Lord, we honor you. And so, Lord, this morning, even right now, uh, church, would you just say to the Lord, however you say this to him, would you say, Lord, I invite you. Lord, I ask you, would you speak to me today? So take just a moment and do that. Lord, I thank you that whenever we pray a prayer like that, Lord, you respond to it. And uh, we're just really grateful for that. And so, Lord, right now we just say, Lord, would you speak? And we expect and, and we anticipate that you will move in our hearts. So we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, again, our text, 1 Chronicles uh, chapter 29. I'm really excited for this passage that we're going to be looking at. And uh, if you're newer to the Bible, uh, this is the story of, it's in David's life, and it's about David, it's about his, his son Solomon, and it's about this building of the temple and kind of the story that goes behind that. And so we're going to unpack that as we go through it. But before we get there, um, I just want to read this entire passage uh, to you just to kind of set the foundation for where we're heading. And so as I, as I read this, actually, would you stand up as we read God's word this morning? We'll put the verses up on the screen as well. So this is, again, from 1 Chronicles 29. <clears throat> it says this. It says, Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the task is great because this palatial structure is not for man but for the Lord God. With all my resources, he says, I provided for the temple of my God, gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as, as, well as onyx for the settings, turquoise, and the stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stones, and marble, and all, all of these things in large quantities. Verse 3, he says, besides, 
In my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give of my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple. 3,000 talents of gold, gold of of onfer, um, and 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings, for the gold work and for the silver work and for the work to be done by the craftsmen. And then he says, now who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? In other words, he's saying, are you with me? In verse 6, then he says, Then the leaders of the families and the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds, the, the officials in charge of the king's work, they gave, it says, willing. And they gave to the work of the temple of the God 5,000 talents, 10,000 uh, derricks of gold, uh, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel, the Gershonite, and the people, what did they do? They rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord, and David, their king, also rejoiced. And then David responds this way. We're almost done. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to the Lord, the God and Father of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to, to all. Now, our God We give you thanks and we praise your glorious name. And then we're going to hit this verse hard. And then he says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. You may be seated. You know, today what I love about this passage is what we're going to be talking about is the fact that sometimes when you have a right perspective on something... You see something in a whole new light. Have you ever been given maybe a piece of information about somebody that completely changed how you looked at them? Or have you ever like learned a piece of information that was just insightful to you and all of a sudden a situation that you thought you had your arms and your mind around, all of a sudden you saw it completely different. Has that ever happened to you? I know it's happened to me. I heard this story of a young pastor uh, that had this experience. He was asked actually to do a funeral for, um, by the, a funeral director that was in the city that, that he lived in. And this, this funeral director called him and said, hey, there's a homeless man that was just traveling through and, and he died and we need a pastor to come and to do his gravesite funeral. He doesn't have any family, he doesn't have any friends that we're aware of. And so he described where he was going to be buried. He's going to be buried back in the kind of the back country in the backwoods. And he said that this was actually a, a new cemetery so he would be the first to be laid to rest there. And so this preacher wasn't very familiar with this, this area. And so, like most men, he didn't ask for directions as he was getting lost to get there. You know, anybody like that doesn't ask for directions very quickly? Yeah, me too. And so anyway, so he's getting lost, but finally he shows up, but he shows up about an hour late. And by the time he pulls up, the backhoe and the, the crew are, are there, but the, the hearse is it's, it's gone. It's, he's, he's missed that already. And so he goes up to these these workers, and they're sitting there eating lunch, and, and he apologizes, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm late, and he stands by this open grave, and he sees that the vault lid's already been put on, and, and so he says to the workers, he says, though I'm tardy, he said, I think it's the right thing to do, and so would you, would you come over here, and so they come over, they stand next to him, and then the preacher 
because he feels like it's the right thing to do even though he's late. He starts to pour out his heart and he preaches and he preaches. And, and as he's giving this, this little sermon that he's prepared, he notices that the workers are like, amen, preach. Well, yeah, praise the Lord. Glory to God. And, and like they're really getting into it. So it spurs him on. And you know how that goes. And he keeps preaching and preaching. Finally, he closes this lengthy sermon with a prayer. And then he turns and he walks toward his car. And as he's walking toward his car, he thinks to himself, I feel like I did my my, my duty today, I, I, like I, did, I did this right. Even though I was late, I, I gave it my heart and I did the best that I could and hopefully what I said was inspiring and helpful and gave some direction to these workers. And as though he opens his car door and as he takes off his suit coat, he, he overhears one of the workers say this, I ain't ever seen anything like that before. And I've been putting in septic tanks for 20 years. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> now isn't it true though? Sometimes just one simple piece of information can completely change your perspective. Have you ever had that happen? Like you, you just had your mindset that this is what it was and this is why they did that and this is what we should do and this is how I should think about this. But then you learned one simple piece of information and it completely changed your perspective. What I love about today's text is that I believe it does this for us. It level sets in, in a lot of ways, or it kind of reframes things for us. It helps our perspective be shaped on a very important topic as we wrap up this generosity series. It helps us think very rightly, and I believe it's going to lead us to a place of a whole lot of freedom this morning. It's going to help us think rightly, change our perspective potentially about the resources that God has entrusted to us. You know, when we began this series, I loved the passage that we began with. It was in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we saw the Apostle Paul's words there, and we saw that the Apostle Paul, that he was talking to Timothy, and Timothy, in a sense, would look at the Apostle Paul, and he would look at him as though, like, Paul, you're my spiritual father. You play a key role in my life. And we know this, that the Apostle Paul was writing to Timothy because he wanted Timothy to thrive. He wanted his ministry to thrive. And he was watching Timothy planting churches and doing different things for the kingdom and, and really spreading the gospel. And Paul knew, though, that Timothy was encountering not only the, the joys of leading people, but he was also encountering some of the challenges. And so in the context of that, Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, this is how you can help people find and follow Christ. This is what it will look like for them to thrive. And this is one of the things that he said to them. So we saw this in the first week of the series. He said, command, pretty strong, and came right out of the gate, command them, command those who are rich in this present world. And we talked about who's in that category, and the first week we realized that's us. Command those who are rich in the world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is uncertain but to put their hope in God who richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. We don't talk much about that, but the things that you have, the riches that you have, God gives those to you as a blessing. And then he says, command them, command the rich, command those who have resources to be rich actually in good deeds and to be generous and to be willing to share. And then he says this, in this way, they will lay up a treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. Like, not just this life, but Timothy, I want you to keep eternity before them. They will lay up a treasure for the foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Such key words. Paul wanted Timothy to know, Timothy, as you lead these churches, make sure that you keep their eyes on eternity. Make sure that you help them understand that it's not just about this world, but it's the age to come. Make sure that you help them understand that though they're rich, they should be also rich, not only financially, they should be rich in good deeds. And if they do, 
If they can lean into that, they're going to take hold of the life that is truly life. What I love about today's text in 1 Chronicles 29 is that King David says a very similar thing. King David, I believe the words we'll hear him say today, they'll dramatically shape our perspective. But as we look at that passage and as we kind of dissect that long passage that I read to you when we began, I want you to understand some of the backstory first. What's going on? What's the context for all this? In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, when we come into this passage, David is at the end of his life. And we know that David had in his heart, he wanted to be able to build a beautiful temple for the Lord. David looked around his culture and he saw that there were lots of different pagan gods. And he noticed that these pagan gods oftentimes had these beautiful, beautiful temples dedicated to them, dedicated to worshiping these pagan gods. And so David, when he lives in, in that kind of a context, he thinks about his God, the one true God. And he thinks about, okay, my God, and then he would have thought about the, 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 uh, the tent that, that this box, really, that was associated with the presence of God. He would have thought about that and the fact that that was outside the city limits. And he would have thought, okay, my God is in this box called the Ark of the Covenant. And this box, in a sense, represents the presence of God. And inside the box, there's the two stone tablets that are the Ten Commandments. And he says, but, but that's outside the city, and it's underneath this tent called the tabernacle, and that's fine. But I'm in the city, and I'm in a beautiful palace, and I look around my land, and I see these other temples to these pagan gods, and that bothered David. And so he had it in his heart, I want to build a beautiful structure for my God. I want to honor him with that. But he also knew this, that in 1 Chronicles 22 Though he had it in his heart, the Lord came to David and said, David, you're not the one to build the temple for me. He said, but your son Solomon is. And so when we get to 1 Chronicles chapter 29, it's as though we're jumping in on David saying, okay, Solomon, I'm not the guy, but I'm going to do everything in my power to help you because we need to honor our God. We need to lift his name high. So he says this then, and notice this in verse 1. It says, then King David said to the, it says, the whole assembly. So, so picture it. You've got all the key leaders. You've got the families. You've got the tribes. You've got all the leaders. They're all gathered there. My son Solomon, he says, the, the one whom God has chosen. I wish it were me, but it's not. But my son, he's young and inexperienced. And this task is great because this palatial structure, he knew what he wanted. He knew what it should look like. This is not for man, but this is for the Lord God. It's so important. And then he says, with all of my resource, I have provided for the temple of my God. Besides, he says, in my devotion to the temple of my God, now I give of my personal treasures. Meaning, he's giving sacrificially of gold and silver for the temple of my God over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple. And then verse 6, we pick up here. It says, then the leaders of the families, the officers of the tribes, the commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds, the, the officials in charge of the king's work... They gave willingly. Notice their spirit there. Skipping down to verse 8. Anyone who had precious stones, they, they gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel, the, the Gershonite. And then it says this. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given what? Freely and wholeheartedly. Now, do you see their spirit there? They're saying, David's saying, hey, here's what I've done. Now, would you do this? Because, again, we want to honor, the, we want to lift high the name of our God. 
And I love their response. Notice that they gave willingly. Verse 7 says that they, they were the kind of people. 1 Corinthians 9 says the Lord loves a cheerful giver. I believe that's what they were. They heard about the need and they said, yeah, we want, we want in on that. Verse 9 then says that they gave freely, wholeheartedly. It's kind of like they said, Lord, we want to be a part of making your name great. What I love about this is there wasn't any guilt tripping. There wasn't any, it wasn't like this sense of duty, you must. But there was this sense of, Lord, we, we delight, we want to be a part of this. Now, I think this would be true, all of us. I think we would look at verses like that and we would say, that's generosity. Those people gave generous. Their, their spirit was right. But I want to ask a deeper question today. Why? Because that's unique. Why was their spirit so generous? How did they get to that place? Because wouldn't you and I all say, it's not natural to be generous, is it? I was uh, putting our, our, excuse me, our youngest to bed uh, uh, on Wednesday night, Easton, our, our youngest son, and, and uh, he said to me as I'm putting him to bed, and I could tell he had something on his mind, he said, uh, he said Dad, I just don't know what to do. And he said, I... I really want to buy that BB gun. We've been looking at this camo BB gun at Cabela's. He loves this thing. And he said, I really want to get that. And he goes, but then I also really want to save, keep saving, and to buy a real dirt bike. And then he looked at me in just kind of despair. And he goes, and I need them both. <laughs> and I loved his innocent question. And picture this little seven-year-old's voice. He said, do you ever have this happen? And I said, yeah, I do, you know, and, and so we talked a little bit, and, and I said to him, I said, you know, E, I said, I've been noticing um, you've been spending a lot, like, you've got money, like, you got more money than I think most seven-year-olds, you got a, some nice friends and family. I said, but you've been spending a lot of it, and, and, I, and we try to talk to our kids about three categories, give, save, spend, in that order, right? Give first, save, and then spend. I said, you've been, man, you've been, you've been spending. And I, I said, I also noticed you've been saving. Like, you're focused, boy. I love that about you. You save, and you save for big things even. You, so you've been saving to spend again because you know what you're. And I just said, hey, have you been doing the first thing at all? Like, have you been giving at all? And he looked at me, and he goes, kind of like, mm. And he goes, well, what if I give two pennies? I was like, Wow generosity you know didn't say that but but think about this for a second church you ever feel like that I can feel like that generosity it doesn't come easily does it generosity is it, it can be work and but what I love about this text and I love about what we're going to see in this text starting in verse 10 we get this perspective changer we get these words that David said that changed the way I believe that we can think and I think that that changes then the way that we are, which leads us to the place where we say, Lord, I want to experience the life that is truly life. Not because you need my generosity. The Lord doesn't need our stuff. He doesn't. But the Lord knows this, that your stuff is connected to your heart. And more than anything else, the Lord wants your heart, my heart. And so notice verse 10, it says this. It says that David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, praise be to the Lord the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven 
and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. David is crying out to God. This is a guy that's won a lot of battles. But he's looking over the course of his life and he's saying this, it couldn't have happened, Lord, without you. Lord, it's you. Lord, yours is the kingdom. Lord, honor and strength, they come from you. Lord, I, I, I have a lot, but Lord, it's because you've given me a lot. And then he says this, wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. Lord, you are. Lord, it's, it's not that I have this ability because I somehow earned this ability. No, no, Lord, it's all from you. I wrote down this phrase this week, and I hope that you'll remember this when you leave today. It's this, very simply, it says this. It says, not mine, but yours. And my prayer for you today is this, that you would walk away and that I would walk away. And that as we get into our car, as we get out our phone, as we put on our clothes, that we would think to ourselves as we exercise our abilities, as we make money, as we do all of these things. I think that the, the perspective changer that David gives us in this passage is this, very simply, not mine, Lord, but yours. Lord, it's not mine, but it's yours. So if I have $400, the Lord, $40 is not the Lord's. $400 is the Lord's. Not mine, but yours. Lord, you give me those abilities. Lord, you help me. And then Lord, notice what he says in the second part of verse 12. He says, in your hands are, are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. In other words... David is saying, Lord, my IQ comes from you. Some of you have mu musical talents. Those are from God. Some of you don't. Some of you have artistic talents. Those are from God. Some of you are on your way to the Olympics. That's from God. Some of us will be watching the Olympics from home, right? But all of the things, all of the abilities, all those things that God has given us, they are from God, not mine, Lord. Not mine, Lord, but, but yours. That's the mindset. And so our job isn't to focus on even what other people have. Our job is just to say, God, this is what you gave me. And so, God, I pray that you would help me be a good steward of the things that you have given me. Lord, not mine, but yours. And then notice this, verses 13 and 14. He really brings it together beautifully. He says, now, our God, we give you thanks. And, Lord, we praise your glorious name. And then verse 14, but who am I? And, and this is kind of at the end. And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? And this is a key statement, church. Please don't miss this. Everything comes from you, Lord. We have given only, given you only what comes from your hand. David is crying out to God and he is saying this, not mine but yours. Everything I have, Lord, it's a gift from you. I didn't earn it. I might have worked hard and that might honor you. That's a good thing. But in the end, you gave me that ability. You gave me that drive. You gave me that opportunity. I'm born here, not because I chose to be, but because, Lord, you allowed me to be. Lord, not mine, but yours. And so then it kind of flips, I think, us on our head a little bit. And we have to ask this question. We have to say, okay, then how can I not be consumed by a treasure that God has given me, but how can I be responsible for it? How can I be a steward of it? And that's really important because, you know, Jesus talked about that. Jesus said, I, I want you to be stewards of the things. I came across this definition of, of stewardship this week. It says this, stewardship is protecting and growing the owner's assets, not mine but yours, with fierce intensity, 
Stewardship is not just going, oh, God's given me a few things, whatever. No, it's protecting those and growing those, the owner's assets, not mine, but yours, God, with fierce intensity, with the very best that you possibly have. I love it when I hear people in the workplace brag about Brooksiders. You know what that tells me? It tells me that you are growing the owner's assets. You are doing things with your abilities with fierce intensity. What a joy. How God honoring that is. The Lord knew this. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, we're not doing this generosity series because we're in a fundraiser right now. We're doing this generosity series because Jesus Christ cares so much about your heart. And Jesus knows this, that if he has your heart, that's the greatest thing. But he knows that your treasure is tied to your heart. And so he talks about the treasure unapologetically because he wants he wants your heart. Jesus knew that our spiritual health and our financial health, they're not disconnected, but they're very connected. And so this is how I want to kind of bring things home this morning. We see this in the early, from the earliest pages of the scriptures all the way through. We see that Jesus wanted to help his people. God wanted to help his people embrace this mindset. Lord, it's not mine, but it's yours. Lord, it's, it's not mine but it's yours. Think of everything you have. Think of all the abilities you have. Think of the scores that you get. Think of your accounts. Not mine, but yours. And Jesus wanted us to have that mindset. Again, not because he needs any of that, but because he wants your heart. And he knows that your financial health and all of that kinds of stuff, it's actually tied to your spiritual health. What you do with your resources actually is tied to your heart. So he talked about that. And so from the beginning of scripture, we see this all over the place. He instituted this thing called the tithe. If you've been around the church for a while, you've, you've heard that term before. Literally, the tithe in the scriptures, it means this, the tenth part. It means actually 10% of the, the monies that I make, that's a tithe. Uh, and, and God was saying this, it's the first part. He's saying, I want you to make a declaration with the things that I've given you that it's not yours, but it's mine. I want you to say, when you, when you think of your time, your talents, and your resources, I want you to tithe those. I want you to say right off the bat as a declaration, this is not mine, Lord, but this is yours. I give to you. I give first. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 says this. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the keyword, first fruits of all your crops. And, and God was big on first because he knew this. If you don't do it first, you probably never do it. And if you do do it first, it means it's a high priority to you. And what you're saying by that is you're saying, you know what? I give first because I acknowledge. Again, I make a declaration, not mine but yours. But notice what happens. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your, your vats will brim over with new wine. This writer, he wrote, I think he writes brilliantly on giving. Randy Alcorn, he, he puts it like this, talking of the tithe. He says, tithing gives perspective. It reminds, us, uh, it reminds us that all that we are and all that we have is from God. Tithing is not a tip thrown mindlessly on, on a table after a meal. Uh, it's not some afterthought, but it's a meaningful expression of dependence upon God and gratitude to him. Tithing requires calculation. And when we deal specifically with the amounts that God has provided, we assess God's goodness to us. 
We literally count our blessings thanking him for his generosity. I mean, you think about the generosity of God. I was just struck by, I think, the most probably quoted and foundational verse of Christianity. John 3, 16, for God, what did he do? He gave his one and only son. I mean, the greatest example of, of generosity. You know, oftentimes people will think about their finances in, in one of two ways. Oftentimes a person thinks about it like this. The person, will, they'll say like they're at point A, and, and, and then they'll say that they're going to try to get to point A to B in their life. Okay, so they'll say this. This is where I'm currently at. And they'll say, over the course of my lifetime, I need to get to B. B is like represents my number. You know that commercial, what's your number? This is your number. And, and so the person will say, it's going to take 100% of my earnings to get to B by the end of my life, to pay for my kids' college, to, to go on the trips I want to go on, to plan for my retirement, all of that. And so that's going to take 100% of my earnings to, for me to get from A to B. The other person will say this. This is perspective, the other perspective. A person will say, person A will say over here, they'll say, you know what? I listen to the teachings of Scripture, and I'm a Christian, and they'll say this. I understand and I take to heart what God is saying here that I need to give first, the first fruits, and God will bless that and God will reward that even kind of mindset and I'll walk in his blessings in that way. And they'll say, I'm just as concerned about B as the other person. I care deeply about B. But they'll also say this, they'll say, you know what though, if I'm at A and if I'll live on no more than 90% of my, my income, of the, the first fruits, the, things that, the, the, the income that God gives me, if I'll live on no more than 90%, I'm going to trust God for B, but I'm going to live in a different reality, actually. I'm also going to trust God for C. Because I believe that if I will honor God with the things that he gives to me with the first fruits, I believe that I'm going to be walking in step with God and that God might just open up doors of blessings that I don't even know around the corner. And sometimes those will be financial. Sometimes they won't be. If somebody ever gets in front of you, a pastor, and says, hey, you just put your faith in God and you'll be rich and turn off the TV or leave the church, right? That's not true. But you know what is true? God might do that, but what he also might do is this. He might bring you a different kind of joy. He might bring you a different kind of fulfillment. He might bring you, when you say this, you know what, God, I'm gonna, I do care about B, and I know you want me to be responsible to get to B, but Lord, I'm going to trust you 90%. That's where I'm going to live or maybe even less than that. But then, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that, see, Lord, you're going to allow me to be a part of things that the Apostle Paul described. And he said, you, Timothy, you lead the people to think about the age to come. And you're going to say to God, Lord, I, I care about eternal things. Lord, I don't want to get just hung up here. Lord, I want to invest in the eternities of people. So, Lord, I'm not just trusting you for B, but, God, I'm going to trust you for C. That's the reality that I want to live in. You know, one of my first years here on staff, I got a call from this guy. It was on a Wednesday. I remember this vividly um, because I was a, a new middle school pastor here and, and, uh, years, ago, years ago. And, and Wednesday for a youth pastor is a busy day because you, you're teaching that night and you're getting ready for the program, all that stuff. You know? And so I was, I was kind of stressed out already. So this guy calls about 1 o'clock and, and, uh, and I talked to him once before on the phone. And so I knew his situation a little bit. He was in the hospital and he said, hey, could you just... I'm going to be discharged. He said, could you come down and just pray for me this afternoon? And I just kind of sensed this nudge from God. You need to do that. You don't feel like you have time, but you need to go. And so I head out to go down to the hospital. And again, I'm kind of begrudging. I'm kind of, you know, not fully into this. 
And as I'm pulling out onto to L Street, I sense the Lord saying to me, hey, you need to be prepared. You know this guy. You know his situation well enough that he needs to get a bus ticket and he probably needs to get some, uh, a meal or two. So why don't you get some, make sure you have some cash. And so I quickly looked and of course I didn't have any cash. And so I thought, bummer. And then I thought, where's the nearest ATM? And I'm new to Omaha. And so I thought, well, I know of one and my bank that I'm banking at. And I thought, oh, that's clear over that way. And Creighton Medical Center is clear over that way. And anyway, so I go to the bank, and I tell you what, now I'm looking at the clock, and I'm thinking, I don't have time for this. So then I get going closer to Creighton Medical Center, which I have no idea where it is. I get extremely lost. I'm like that guy doing the funeral service. I don't ask for directions soon enough, so it takes me forever. And I remember when I finally pulled into that parking stall, I can still remember where I parked. I remember thinking to myself, I should just go back. I don't have time for this. And... Uh, I walked then into the hospital. I got lost again trying to find his room. I mean, it was like one thing after another. And I kept thinking to myself, what am I doing? I don't have time for this. I get to his room. We have a conversation. I pray for him. Sure enough, he tells me about some of the needs he's going to experience in the next 24 hours. I say, here's, here's $40 for you. Give him the $40. I walk out, and I'm not being very pastoral, I'll tell you. So I get in the car. I come back to church about three hours later. I'm greeting students as they come into youth group. And, um, you know, picture kids all over the place. And one of these kids walks up to me, <clears throat> Greg Evans. And uh, <laughs> he gives me this envelope. And he says, he goes, hey, um, <clears throat> my mom just wanted me to give this to you. And I was like, oh, cool. And I thought it was a registration for an event or, you know, something like that. So I take the envelope. I was kind of curious, though, because, you know, I don't get envelopes all, all the time. And this didn't look like registration, actually. And, and so I walked down the hall a little bit later as a you know, all the students were entering the room, and, and I just opened the envelope up, and, and, and sure enough, it said, and it had this note, and she said this to me. She said, thanks for investing in Greg. I hope you and Christina can enjoy a night out, 40 bucks. <laughs> and I was like, you got to be kidding me, <laughs> right? And it was, it's always reminded me of this. Jeff, just trust God and be generous with your time and your talents and your resources. Jeff, if you'll just trust God, he'll honor that. You know, I want to leave you with this today. Um, I want to leave you with a very practical way, I think, to apply as we wrap up this series. And so I'm going to ask, actually, our hosts are going to come forward. They're going to pass out a card to you now. And this card is, is something that we're calling Give It 90 Days. And as we, again, wrap up this series on generosity I wanted you to have the opportunity this morning to really put this into practice. Um, and so over the course of the nine, next 90 days, I just want to lay a challenge before you. Would you give the first fruits to God? The guy stopped me this morning. He knew what I was going to be talking about. He said, I remember when I was challenged to start giving in this church. And he said, that was years and years and years ago. And he said, his pastor Steve, he said, Pastor Steve said to me, hey, if you can't give 10%, just start giving, give 2%, just as an on-ramp, right? And he's looking back now, and he goes, 2% at that time seemed like a lot. Now I go, what was I thinking? But, but that's okay. It's an on-ramp. And I want to encourage you this morning, would you take a step? And so over the course of these next 90 days, we're going to send you three or four emails. And, and uh, again, if the host, you guys want to come forward and pass those slips out, that would be great. Um, but this is what the slip looks like. So on it, you can just say this, yes, I'm taking the 90-day challenge, and has your name and your email on it. Um, and then it's got three boxes here. It says this, I'm currently tithing, and I will continue to tithe. If you are currently a tither, I just want to encourage you this morning, 
Would you, in a sense, make a declaration to God and say, yes, I will continue, God. You have given me a lot, and Lord, I want to honor you with that. The next one says this, um, I will start tithing for the next 90 days. I will give it a shot. I will see, God, will you open the floodgates and bless me? Malachi chapter 3 says this, test, if the Lord says, test me in this. Bring me the full tithe. Test me and see if I won't bless you. See if I won't blow open the, the barn doors and, and fill you to overflowing. And then the last one is this. It says this, I'll commit to taking a step as a percentage giver for the next 90 days. You might be, that, you might be right where that guy was. You might say, you know what? I can do 2%. I, I, but I want to step into that water. Um, now let me give you some important disclaimers. The first one is this. We're not doing this because we're behind budget. If we were behind budget, I would just tell you. <laughs> we're doing this because God cares about your heart. That's why we're in this series. It's not a fundraising series. We're doing this because God truly cares about our hearts, and he knows that our hearts are connected to our treasures, and that's why Jesus talked about this kind of stuff. And it's not my favorite subject to talk about, but every time I read the Bible, I go, we need to talk about that because at least a couple times a year, once a year, and to say, hey, God cares about your heart, so he cares about your treasure, so let's talk about that. You know, I've never met anybody that started being generous that looked back and they said, you know what, I wish I wouldn't have been so generous. I don't meet people like that. But I have talked to many people, and some of you are them. You have said this, I realized that when I became generous, I realized all the things that I get to be a part of. I mean, I think of the things that happen here week in and week out from the kids that are upstairs right now. They're hearing the gospel. Our teenagers that come here during the week, they're walking with Jesus Christ in a world that's not walking with Christ. We get to be a part of that. We get to fund that. I think of even just the gal that just walked in off the street this week. She needed a bus ticket, a ride to the bus station, and a little bit of a boost. I think of the, the Valentine's banquet we got to do at the Open Door Mission last night. I think of the lives that get changed week in and week out. And I'm telling you, as you flex this muscle of generosity, you'll begin to find so much joy in saying this, God, I, just, I, get, I got to be a part of that. Lord, I'm not just trusting you for B, my number. But God, I'm trusting you for C. That God, if I'll give you the first fruits, God, you'll multiply that and you'll do great things through that. I also want to say to you today, if this isn't your church home, I would still encourage you to tithe. But tithe to your church or tithe to a godly organization that you believe in. But give, become a giver. Again, this isn't about us. This is about God cares about our hearts. Um, and then lastly, I want to say if you're married here today, and because I know that this can be a hard topic at home. It just can be. Why wouldn't it be, right? It's important. And I just want to say to you, if you're married, and maybe you've been the one in the couple that's like, I don't know, I don't want to do that. Come on, we don't, we don't have that. Would you just give it 90 days? Would you concede? Or would you guys meet in the middle? Make it a win-win for each other. I think we should do this. I think we should do this. Great, let's do this. But would you give it 90 days and would you just say, Lord, I'll be generous and Lord, then I'll see what you will do. And so fill out that card. Um, we've got some boxes in the back. We've got them in the lobbies. And again, we just want to give you an on-ramp, a way to say, yes, I will practically apply the scriptures. And then we want to send you some resources that I think will just bless you and, uh, and encourage you. So yeah, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you that you are the kind of God that gives so graciously and so generously to us.
And so, Lord, we want to be the kind of people that we give back willingly to you. Lord, not because you need it, but because out of an expression of what you've done for us, Lord, we give back to you. And Father, we thank you this morning for the centrality of the gospel, the fact that Jesus Christ, oh, what an example of generosity, Lord. Lord, you gave your life for us, and we love you, and we honor you. And we pray this all in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Hey, let's stand and sing.